Welcome back to Cosmic Disclosure. I'm Corey Good, and today I will be your host. Today, we're going to be talking more in depth than we ever have about the different ET beings I've encountered through my childhood, through the MyLab training, and ending with the secret space programs. My first experiences with non-terrestrials began when I was only five years old. I felt the need to go outside. I don't know why. And when I went outside, there were three golden orbs that were just floating up in the sky. And when I, I, was, I started watching them intently, and I wasn't afraid, all of a sudden I started floating. And the next thing I knew, I was in a room. I, I just remember I started to lift off the ground, and I was in a room. And in this room was a Nordic woman. And walking around were small graves as well. The Nordic woman guided me into a room with children that were playing. And the children, some of them were bald and their eyes looked a little different, but they looked human, like maybe hybrids. And then there were a few regular humans like myself there. I remember uh, a brother or sister that were redheaded that were close to my age that were there. And they were just kind of interacting and playing with the other children, the, the hybrid children. At one point, the, uh, the Nordic lady comes to us and hands us this little device, and it's a puzzle, a 3D puzzle. It has like squares coming up, circles coming up out of it, and, it, and you're fitting all these shapes together. And I was successful at it, at, at, the, at the puzzle, and when I was successful, the uh, Nordic lady came over and guided me out of the room and took me into more of a control room. It was darker. I saw other Nordics sitting around control panels, amber lights reflecting off their face. And this kind of like a curved television mist appeared in front of me. And then all of a sudden, all of these star charts started popping up. And she would say, is this your home? And I was, I was saying, no, my home is with my mom. And, uh, she, and then she would go through another one. Is this your home? And then she showed planets as well. And there, there was this very large planet that looked similar to Saturn that had like a moon around it. And it was obviously inhabited. And she pointed to it and she said, is that your home? And I got a, a weird reaction and I felt the need to, I started asking uh, to go home. I said, I wanted to go home. And they guided me out and took me home. That was my first real experience that I recall with a non-terrestrial. And then soon after that, I started having the pirate ships. I was five years old. I was, we were living with my grandparents. And I had had the same thing. I would be, I would have this just need to go outside. And, you know, I was five years old. It was a bad neighborhood. And I would walk out. I wouldn't be afraid. And I would see off in the distance a pirate ship like a leaf on the wind, coming down closer and closer, going lower and lower. And when it landed on the, it would land on the ground, um, it would look like a solid, it looked like a ghostly ship as it would slowly come down. It would look like a solid pirate ship. I would then go onto the pirate ship and then all of a sudden I was in a round room that had a window that went 360 degrees all the way around. And when I stood up and looked out that window, I saw my apartments, I saw my entire city. And then it took off the same way it landed, like a leaf. And I was brought to a cavern area 
to where they flew down into caverns, and then they were uh, in the smooth caverns, like they had uh, been mechanically uh, flattened out on the walls and the ground and the ceilings, there were numbers like you'd see on the side of a ship or on a landing pad. And we, as we went through, we landed in this one area, and I got off, and it was now a flying saucer. And then I walked through the cavern area. I was not being pointed. They weren't pointing me to, to go any direction, but I was just walking autonomously. And I'm looking around, and I see all of these other people of all ages and all colors standing in line, taking off their clothes and putting them on, like, card tables, military card tables. These people then were standing in line, a line that there, was, there were, like, surgeon lights that were there that were pointed down onto a table, and they would all lay on the table with no clothes on, and on one side would be this very tall gray being and two little grays, and on the other side would be doctors, human doctors in lab coats, and they were doing joint examinations or procedures. I don't have any memory of these procedures being done on me. The next thing I would remember would be coming back into consciousness or awareness on the craft again in that same circular room, and then I would see myself us floating down to my house, and then I would see a pirate ship leave. So those were my really first encounters with non-terrestrials. When I was about seven years old in 1977, I was brought into the MyLab programs. I recently saw some documentation from Sigmund, which is a pseudonym of an Air Force official who was giving me information at one point, that stated that I was an asset between 1977 and 1997. So apparently the real MyLab training started in when I was seven years old. Because I was identified as an intuitive empath, I was a perfect tool for them. They began to form me. Um, I, I started having weird experiences in my lab training to where I would be brought into a room to, to have holographic training. I would walk in. I would see several Air Force people sitting at a card table, maybe some people in some white coats. I would sit in the chair. I would go through the procedure. But when I would come out, all of a sudden, there would be a gray alien sitting at the table. And they slowly started to acclimate me that way. And what they were attempting to do was take my intuitive empath skills and train me to interface with non-terrestrials. And that training was from the age of seven years old all the way up until I was 16 years old right before I went into the secret space program. My first real experience with being an intuitive empath in one of those real world situations was when I was 13 years old. I was taken off planet to a small space station that is just outside the orbit of Jupiter. It was a temporal anomaly that you couldn't see with the naked eye, and you had to enter it this, and exit in, this, in the same way. They called it punching in and punching out and from the same coordinates. And it was a temporal anomaly, and when we flew into it, it was pitch black. There were no stars. All you could see were other craft flying to this space station. One end of it looked like a clamshell, and the other end was a big disk. And inside that disk was a giant UN-type meeting hall. And I was brought into that meeting hall to be one of three intuitive empath support. They usually had uh, two other children or 
young adolescents with me, and they needed three to triangulate any type of deception or fear or any, anything that the primary person in the meeting needed to be aware of. And there was a representative from Earth that was given a seat in this council meeting. There were about 60 different beings that were already milling around inside that room and some sitting down. So I remember walking into that room, and first of all, I'm 13 years old. All of these beings, a good deal of them are taller than a normal human. So to me, a normal uh, adult already looked very large. And for the most part, I was trying to scan and, and look at you know, these different beings to try to get some sort of a, a, an energy from them. And they were pretty much ignoring me. They could care less about me uh, or interfacing with me at, at all. A lot of them didn't look like they wanted to really interface with each other. I don't think it was a real friendly gathering. A lot of the times these people were at odds with each other because of this 22 different genetic programs that are competing but are overall managed by this committee. This was the first time that I saw a large number of different types of non-terrestrials at the same place. Later on, I was brought into these meetings a couple other times. I've been to a total of three of them. And for the most part, when I went to these, the last two meetings, when I was an adult, it was pretty much the same group there, except for on the last occasion. During the last occasion, it was during when there was some sort of an energetic barrier around the Earth that was preventing a lot of different non-terrestrials from leaving or coming. And there were a lot of different extraterrestrials that were there that I hadn't seen before. Some, uh, a lot of different aquatic beings, a lot more insectoid-type beings that had stated that they were here on our planet doing research, but had nothing to do with humans. They were more interested in our oceans or in our forests. They could care less about humans. But they had people that were stranded here, and they were there to lobby the powers that be to try to figure out how to get their people off of the planet Earth. What was interesting about these meetings is that often they would announce themselves before they would get up to speak on this platform. But for some reason, that has been scrubbed from my memory. There were other occasions to where there would be non-terrestrials in the room, and it appeared as though they didn't have a face. You couldn't see. That. I mean, it, and it was something mentally that they were doing to you. It wasn't that they didn't have a face. So there were a lot of different countermeasures going on in that meeting to make sure that I didn't, or the other people with me didn't walk away uh, with certain information. And for the most part, when I would be used as an intuitive empath in those situations, I usually, there, unless we were interrogating people, which occurred later on, we didn't pick up much. We would pick up uh, a lot of background emotion and um, energy that we would have to try to kind of filter through. And a lot of them would be there and, and we'd have to, not only do you have a, a being that is completely different looking than what you're used to seeing, they have a completely different emotional signature about them. When you're inter interfacing with a human, uh, I don't care if it's in a, you go to a different country, a uh, different, um, completely different uh, way of living, people are going to still have the same type of energy when they're sad, they're happy, you're going to be able to read it. You have to establish a baseline with these beings, and it's very hard to do when you're not interacting with them. So for the most part, we're trying to pick up anything that feels like deception, that feels like fear or panic, and relay that through uh, handheld devices 
to the, the person uh, in the meeting that we're supporting. At the end of every one of these encounters, we were debriefed, and it was always a chemical debriefing. They would use us basically as a USB drive, and they would put us in a situation, have us smell everything, hear everything, taste, see everything, and then when we come back, they have the ability to download that information from you in these same holographic chairs that they used to train you. And when they download the information, they then go through a second process after the debriefing to where they blank slate you. And as many who watch this show will remember me saying in the past, um, three to five percent of people that they blank slate begin to get the memories back. And I, in my case, I begin to get pieces of memories back very quickly. And then when you get pieces, you have threads to pull at, and then you begin to get the, the larger chunks of information that then when you get pieces of information that begin to connect, the full picture falls into place very quickly. At these super federation meetings, the beings that were present were discussing genetic programs and a spiritual program that was ongoing on Earth. They were describing 22 different programs, genetic and spiritual components, to these programs. And there were 60 different ET participants in these programs. A lot of these people at the meeting, and I'm calling, we were instructed to call the ETs people. When these people were at these meetings, you could feel the animosity between other groups. There would be some uh, beings that there was just not a good energy t towards another group, or they, uh, when another group would come a certain distance from them, their anxiety level would go up real high all of a sudden, would spike. So um, I was able to pick out myself before I read the briefings later on that these beings didn't necessarily um, get along all that well. So to say the beings that I interacted with or, or at least witnessed in these meetings are good or bad would be very difficult to say. The beings, when they were there, what was in their consciousness was validating their program, their experiments, and they were there to present information about those experiments and also grievances from other groups had, who had interfered with their genetic experiments. So they were more focused on their experiment. And so I would say most of them would be more amoral from our point of view. There were a lot of different uh, looking beings. There were humanoids. Uh, we had some that were that ranged from you know five foot tall, five and a half foot tall. This one right here that was depicted by an artist for us that I saw on the ship. They sat there and had kind of a smirk on their face the whole time, and were or were mainly just watching. I did not see them actually uh, get up and speak at all. They mainly seemed to be um, just observing. And that seemed to be the case for several of the beings there. They didn't necessarily have a full stake in the genetic programs. They seemed to be there as uh, observers. And this being seemed to be one of those. I found it very interesting that some of these non-terrestrials looked just like us. Some of them had slightly different shades of skin, but some of them looked exactly like us. They could walk down our streets and some, maybe just look like a little bit of an odd human. One of those groups was the Nordics, who I'd become familiar with earlier in life. Uh, my first encounter was with a Nordic. The Nordics were very much involved. They seemed to be, um, have some sort of a clerical 
type of uh, position in this council. And uh, they seemed to, they had uh, a lot of representatives at the meetings and they seemed to be walking around dis and having discussions with little breakout groups of these non-terrestrials. So they definitely have a pretty high involvement in all of these different programs that are going on. And a lot of people, they, they use the generic term Nordic when there are a number of different species that you could call Nordics, that some of them are, are very tall, eight, nine foot feet tall. They have blonde hair. You know, they seem to always have a chili bowl type cut, uh, bobbed hair. And they have six fingers. They're very muscular. And, you know, they have, they have blue eyes. And there are others that are uh, not necessarily from other planets that get lumped into the Nordic um, category as well. Groups that are what we are calling inner Earth groups that are very Nordic looking and could easily be described as a Nordic. A lot of, the, of these non-terrestrials looked very human. And this one looked very human. The male and the female did not have hair. They had blue skin, blue eyes, and they were very tall, probably nine feet tall, if, if not more. Um, they mostly were sitting down when I saw them. They were very broad. They wore uh, like tunics, white tunic type of uh, clothing, and they had uh, gold belts, very thin belts uh, around them. And I never saw them uh, get up and speak at these conferences, but they were present. My eyes seemed to um, just find their way to them quite often. Uh, there were a few beings like that. These are the reasons these people are sticking out in my head so much, is that I was sitting there and we were told to look at the smart glass pad and try to distract ourselves with the information there. But every once in a while you would look up and you would catch eyes with one of these beings or you would just see them and they would be so striking looking that you would just catch yourself staring at them. And they did seem to have a very regal or very kingly kind of uh, air to them. And they seemed, uh, they seemed to be very peaceful, but they were very confident, very, very confident and seemed to uh, be observing quite a bit. This should be a familiar image. This is an image of what people describe as an Eben. And a lot of people have described being abducted by this group and have interacted with the Ebens. Now there was one group in particular that seemed to walk around as much as the Nordics and interface with the other groups. And they also seemed to have a little bit of power because these other groups would come to them and petition them um, to assist them in whatever grievances they had with other groups. I think they are some sort of a watcher group that are observing and making sure that this experiment goes to plan and isn't taken in any one direction. Now in this image, this is the, the green-skinned people that I've discussed before. Their skin was literally looked the same color of an olive a green olive that you pulled out of a jar. No difference. There was a man and two females present each time. They are probably, the man was probably about six and a half, seven feet tall. And the woman was about, women were about six feet tall. Very muscular. The men had very short hair, very, like very military looking, like a flat top. The women had extremely long, shiny black hair very shiny black hair that went down to the middle of their backs. And the women would sit 
with the, the male and they would be very quiet during the actual meeting, but afterwards they were, they seemed like kind of like more like social butterflies. They seemed to split up and then go to each group and they were obviously socializing. And inter interestingly enough, my last trip, I had an encounter with one of the females and it was the only time I had an encounter at one of these meetings with a non-terrestrial. I was there, uh, Gonzalez uh, was there, and we had some intuitive empaths that were secret space program military guys. And they were sitting there uh, kind of making jokes a little bit about um, her looking like Captain Kirk's girlfriend. And at one point, one of these females walked up to me and she had empathically or telepathically figured out what we were talking about. I guess she was so much in our consciousness, we became a part of her consciousness. And she came over and she asked us if we, if Captain Kirk was someone that we served under. And um, it was pretty shocking. She came over and spoke in English to us, you know, and was asking if we served under Captain Kirk. So it was a little bit of an embarrassment to me and those others. Now this image here depicts another of the very human looking beings, a very Asian looking being. Their skin was more of a slightly more orangish, orangish tint and they had these blue kind of cat eyes that the irises took up almost the entire eyeball that you could see. I saw them interacting quite a bit with the other human looking groups. They seemed pretty standoffish from the insectoid type groups. So there seems to be some sort of a rift between those two groups, most likely a dispute in, this, in these genetic programs. Now she does have feline looking eyes, but she is not to be confused with the actual feline race that I only observed one time. It was on the research vessel and they were moving its body. It had been, uh, there was a capture or kill order out on these beings. And what occurred was these beings teleport around and they were able to catch one of them um, and uh, it, it died. They weren't, weren't able to keep it alive. And it was a very um, kind of a, a, a lavender looking cat looking being. And the head, the ears, and the face looked very cat-like. The body was more of a humanoid torso. So this image here is depicting one of the mantids, or a mantis race. They are very heavily involved in the genetic side of these 22 different programs, and they participate in several different programs. People will often witness seeing um, mantids with graves or with... Um, Nordics, and even with reptilians. So these groups work across multiple different genetic programs, and they are known as the genetic masters in our, um, in our local cluster. Now, you may remember a lot of these stories that are told from abductees, and you, you'll notice that they have very terrifying encounters with these beings. The weird thing is they, they, you don't pick up emotions the way you normally would from another humanoid type of being. Their, um, their communications with each other are through a, uh, some sort of neural network uh, that is like tel telepathy or a shared consciousness. And for them to connect with us and communicate with us, is, it takes an effort from them. Um, they are totally divorced from us when it comes to emotion. So we could kind of call them amoral. But when they are interacting with us, they are not thinking, oh, this poor human 
they're, they're, that just does not enter their consciousness. They are there working on a project and we are the subjects of that project. The tall grays are depicted in this image and they're called tall grays for the obvious reason. They're you know, about eight feet tall. They look very similar to the classic grays that are described by people. But usually you see the uh, three to four foot tall gray beings next to these tall grays. What these small grays are, are usually some type of uh, biological robot, uh, programmed life form. They are, you will see these small grays uh, with the Nordics, you'll see them with the reptilians, you'll see them with any number of groups. It's like standard hardware or something out there that everyone uses. It's like everyone's on a Mac or a PC, uh, everyone's using this type of uh, technology. Now, the tall grays are very much involved in the genetic part of these 22 different programs. They are in competition with the insectoid groups, and they are in competition with the humanoid groups as well, but they work closely with them in different aspects of these different programs. So they are given more of a free reign to come down here and work amongst humans on these genetic, genetic programs doing the actual hands-on. A lot of these beings, will, they'll be the ones that come down and physically touch the humans and take the specimens and do the work, and they report back to this larger body. Some people may also uh, remember abductee experiences where they will describe seeing a tall gray and then seeing a man in uniform, in a uh, U.S. military uniform. That is because there is a very strong bond and agreement between the tall grays and um, the U.S. government, shadow government, that involves trading of biological specimens from off-planet and technologies in trade for allowing them to come down uh, and do their experiments without being interfered with. And a lot of times human military will be on these abduction ships as observers taking notes of the names of everybody, the time, what was done, and they keep a log of that because in the beginning, these beings were supposed to be giving us uh, the information about uh, who they were abducting, and then we found out they were not being honest with us. So um, because we now have the ability through our advanced space programs to deflect ships trying to come into our uh, atmosphere, they now have to work with us and allow observers, human observers, on their ships. Now, you may notice in my descriptions, I didn't uh, describe seeing a lot of uh, uh, Draco reptilians. That's because there is quite a bit of animosity. These Draco are claiming that this body of uh, uh, this Super Federation body, long ago, millions and millions of years ago, 65 million to be precise, had come to this planet and destroyed an experiment that was already well underway, a reptilian experiment. They claimed that the dinosaurs, uh, they were doing some sort of uh, an experiment of um, uh, making a reptilian mix with a um, uh, mammal, a mammalian type of experiment. And that experiment was wiped out. And then the uh, genetic farmer races came in, which became a part of the super federation, began to come in and uh, tinker with the genetics and created a whole new mammalian, uh, fully mammalian type of experiment here on Earth when beforehand the Draco claimed that it was their planet and they had an experiment uh, uh, well underway. Now, they had representatives 
that would be at these super federations. There were reptilian looking beings, some that looked very like human bone structure, but had like lizard skin stretched across. So they, I mean, they would look, you know, they, they looked more like a mixture kind of between humans and the Draco. So the Draco were not able to uh, come to this meeting themselves, but they had uh, different members such as these different insectoid uh, beings that look more like ants. These beings uh, work closely with the Draco and will be intermediaries at these types of meetings. So this image depicts an obvious different looking being than what we've been discussing prior. And to be honest, I had never seen or heard described a being like this in the programs. When I first was put in the, the programs, the secret space program, I was first for about 10 months put into something called the Intruder Intercept and Interrogation Program. And I interacted with all different types of beings in that program. I, in those programs, I'd never heard of a eight foot tall bluebird being. So in around, around 2011, I had this very vivid dream that you knew wasn't a dream to where this blue avian being appeared in my dream and started doing these hand signs, connecting with me kind of telepathically and then kind of moving its lips around. Um, after that dream, I was extremely disturbed. I knew it was something other than a dream and I'd never heard of a being described that way. Eventually, it appeared in front of me physically and um, I happened to be with my dog at the time. I was sitting on a couch and my dog was next to me and it appeared in a room and it was a big shock to me and my dog. <laughs> uh, the, the being was eight foot tall, was blue, but looked very human. It had five fingers. And eventually it uh, communicated to me that it was a part of this group of beings that were here to assist us in our transition to a higher density. They were here and they could care less about the 22 different genetic programs. They were here, it's more of an energetic and spiritual component that they're concerned about. The beings at the Super Federation Council, we would consider them probably fourth or fifth density on the density scale. These blue avians and the other groups with them uh, stated that they were sixth density and higher. The, um, they were able to appear and disappear at will. And basically it was explained to me that they, they match their vibration for the location that they wanna be at and they just appear. They're the ones that pretty much pushed me to come forward with my testimony. And they also introduced me to a number of other different beings. They uh, introduced me to beings such as Mika's people, which I've described on Cosmic Disclosure a few times, a very Polynesian looking people, very peaceful, that are in our local star cluster, the closest star actually. They've introduced me to other beings like this uh, triangle head being, which I've never actually interfaced with and interacted with. But when I was at a meeting on the Lunar Operation Command, I was put in the front of a basically a um, conference hall or you know like you would see in a university with the uh, theater chairs going up to the back of the room and I was put in the middle of the room with no explanation. After our, the people started picking on me a little bit because they didn't know what was going on either and I was standing there completely uh, frazzled at that point, everyone got quiet and behind me had appeared Tier Air, which was, is the main blue avian that I, that I interact with, 
and the other was this very strange looking like 10 foot tall golden being with a triangle head it had three fingers on its hands and three toes and it was using its toes like a tripod and the, the toes were kind of doing like this and it was going up and down a little bit and it looked almost like it was underwater because its arms didn't look like they had bones it was there was just this wavy they were kind of wavy and going up and down rhythmically it was very weird and everyone got completely quiet at that point and that's when Tyr Air then uh, interfaced with me and allowed the people in the audience to ask questions of him. Uh, the Golden Triangle had never made any type of um, contact with anyone. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that there is another being that's a part of this sphere being alliance that are actual spheres. Their um, uh, size is, really doesn't matter to them. They can appear large enough to uh, encompass our entire solar system, which they have done or they can be as small as a ping pong ball. And they are bright indigo blue balls that will float around and they're the ones that have come and they would pick me up and take me to meetings with Tier Air. And he told me that they were ninth density beings, non-corporeal beings that were a part of their collective. Now this image, a lot of people may remember, I had to meet this being, I was given very little prep time I was flown to a what looked like a condemned hotel in the middle of the Midwest. It was desert everywhere. Uh, we got up on the top building of the building, and we, uh, the ingress was through a door, and we went through an elevator that went down into a large courtyard type of uh, area. All of the rooms were like on the side, and it was empty all the way down, and there was a glass elevator that went all the way down to the lobby. And as we were on in this uh, elevator, and we're going down, my anxiety level started going higher and higher because I started seeing these beings standing down, looking up, watching us coming down. It was, a, it was like I, was, I felt like a fish in a barrel. It was a very uncomfortable feeling. And the minute the doors opened, this musky urine smell came into the elevator. Very, very horrible smell. Uh, at first we were gagging and we kind of got used to it. We walk in and there... Um, are present, they have insectoid-type beings. There are uh, other reptilians that most people are used to seeing, the ones with the olive green scales, uh, you know, holding uh, long lance-like weapons, standing at attention. And in walks this 14-foot-tall white lizard being that literally petrified me the minute it walked in the room. I'm trying to keep my composure because I know that I'm supposed to interface with this being. And it comes, it walks up to me and it walks up, not right to me, but far enough to where it was very intimidating and began to interface with me. And when it did, it was not like the interfacing I had done in the past, it, uh, where it was more passive to where, you know, I was going back and forth conversation wise. It immediately, like a tractor beam, captured my consciousness and was reading what it wanted out of me. Um, it felt like mental rape and it was controlling me and its eyes started doing this. It was getting, the, uh, the pupils were going woo, woo, woo. It was a very powerful being. A meeting with these beings is something I've refused after that encounter. It was, it was terrifying. Everyone that, were, that was in the delegation, the, the security guys, we were all you know, keeping ourselves pretty calm and cool 
but in the elevator ride on the way up and getting into the craft, we were shaking. Everyone was shaking so bad. You heard all the equipment rattling, and everyone was shaking from the adrenaline rush from after the encounter. It was, it was an incredibly scary encounter. You've been watching Cosmic Disclosure. I'm your host, Corey Good. Thank you for watching.